European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 39, Issue 17, Focus Issue on Prevention, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Refining Cardiovascular Risk, Anthropometric Measures, Potassium, High Altitude Exposure, and Cancer Therapy. The data on the associations of body mass index with cardiovascular risk, especially the low categories, are conflicting. Consistent detrimental effects, healthy obesity, and even an obesity paradox with apparent protective effects have been reported. In their manuscript, the impact of confounding on the associations of different adiposity measures with the incidence of cardiovascular disease, a cohort study of 296,535 adults of white European descent. Stamatina Iliodromiti and colleagues from the University of Glasgow School of Medicine, Dentistry and Nursing in Glasgow, UK, examined body composition as assessed by five different measures and cardiovascular outcomes in 296,535 healthy individuals. Low body mass index, less than or equal 18.5 kilograms per meter squared, was associated with higher incidence of cardiovascular disease and the lowest cardiovascular disease risk was exhibited at body mass index of 22 to 23 kilograms per meter squared, beyond which the risk of cardiovascular disease increased. This J-shaped association attenuated if participants with comorbidities were excluded. By contrast, the associations for the remaining adiposity measures were more linear, one standard deviation increase in waist circumference was associated with a hazard ratio of 1.16 for women and 1.10 for men. Thus, increasing adiposity has a detrimental association with cardiovascular disease health in middle-aged men and women. The association of body mass index with cardiovascular disease appears more susceptible to confounding due to pre-existing comorbidities as compared to other adiposity measures. Any public misconception of a potential protective effect of fat on cardiovascular disease risk should be challenged as further outlined in an editorial by Natalie Staplin from the University of Oxford in the UK. Smoking cessation is a crucial preventative measure. However, many smokers are concerned with withdrawal symptoms and weight gain. The latter is addressed in the manuscript Weight Gain After Smoking Cessation Does Not Modify Its Protective Effect on Myocardial Infarction and Stroke, Evidence from a Cohort Study of Men, by Kihion Lee and colleagues from the Seoul National University Bundang Hospital in South Korea. 108,242 men aged over 40 years without previous myocardial infarction or stroke were grouped into sustained smokers, quitters with body mass index gain, quitters without body mass index change, quitters with body mass index loss, and non-smokers. Compared to the sustained smokers, the risk of myocardial infarction and stroke was reduced in quitters 
with body mass index gain with a hazard ratio of 0.33 for myocardial infarction and of 0.75 for stroke. In quitters without body mass index change, hazard ratios were 0.55 and 0.75 respectively. Surprisingly, no significant association was found in quitters with body mass index loss. Thus, post-cessation body mass index change does not modify the protective effects of smoking cessation. These important findings are put into context in an editorial by Nancy Rigotti from the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, USA. Potassium is an essential electrolyte for cellular function and is physiologically regulated within tight limits. Hypo and hyperkalemia can occur due to renal and cardiac disease such as hypertension and heart failure and or various pharmacotherapies. In an article entitled Serum Potassium and Adverse Outcomes Across the Range of Kidney Function, a CKD Prognosis Consortium Meta-Analysis, Joseph Koresh from the Johns Hopkins University Bloomberg School of Public Health in Baltimore, USA, along with the CKD Prognosis Consortium, determined the risks of all-cause and cardiovascular mortality and end-stage renal disease associated with potassium levels in an individual-level data meta-analysis, including 1,217,986 participants. The risk of serum potassium of greater than 5.5 millimoles per litre was related to lower EGFR and higher albuminuria. The risk relationship between potassium levels and adverse outcomes was U-shaped with the lower risk at serum potassium 4 to 4.5 millimoles per litre. Compared to a reference of 4.2 millimoles per litre, the adjusted hazard ratio for all-cause mortality were 1.22 at 5.5 millimoles per litre and 1.49 at 3.0 millimoles per litre. Risks were similar by EGFR, albuminuria, renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system inhibitor use, and across cohorts. Thus, potassium levels both above and below the normal range are consistently associated with adverse outcomes. These important findings are further discussed in a thoughtful editorial by Timotheus Speer from the Saarland University Hospital in Homburg, Germany. Many cardiac patients still travel for business and leisure and are exposed to high altitude with lower oxygen tension in plains, alpine sites and during mountain hiking. In a current opinion, clinical recommendations for high altitude exposure in individuals with pre-existing cardiovascular conditions, Franco Parati from the University of Milano Bicocca in Italy on behalf of the European Society of Cardiology, its Council on Hypertension, the European Society of Hypertension, the International Society of Mountain Medicine, the Italian Society of Hypertension, and the Italian Society of Mountain Medicine provides a practical guide for counselling such patients. 
The paper offers indications for identifying cardiovascular patients at higher risk in case of altitude exposure and provides specific recommendations for their protection considering heart failure, hypertension, coronary artery disease, pulmonary hypertension, arrhythmias, valvular, congenital heart, and cerebrovascular disease. Although there are only a few randomized double-blind controlled studies, the available evidence suggests that cardiovascular patients can safely travel to high altitudes with appropriate pre-travel assessment and planning. Thanks to enormous progress in oncology, adults and children survive cancers that until recently were fatal. However, many cancer therapies affect the cardiovascular system. This is particularly important in children with a potentially long-remaining lifespan. Jörg Faber and colleagues from the University Medical Center Mainz in Germany address this issue in their paper Burden of Cardiovascular Risk Factors and Cardiovascular Disease in Childhood Cancer Survivors, data from the German CVSS study. In their study, 1,002 childhood cancer survivors aged 23 to 48 years were investigated, of which 951 were compared to the Gutenberg Health Study sample and to two further German population-based cohorts. The relative risk of hypertension was 1.38 and of dyslipidemia 1.26, reflecting a premature occurrence compared to the general population of 6 to 8 years, while obesity and diabetes did not differ. Overt cardiovascular disease was present in 4.5%, reflecting a relative risk of 1.89, most frequently congestive heart failure and venous thromboembolism. Thus, childhood cancer survivors have a considerably increased risk for premature cardiovascular disease. The clinical implications of these findings are discussed in an editorial by John Groark from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. Stroke is an important cardiovascular complication as it severely affects mobility, speech, quality of life, and life expectancy overall. However, it is less in the focus of cardiologist practice, although stroke is a frequent complication of hypertension, diabetes, atrial fibrillation, infarction, and heart failure. Thus, it appeared timely to discuss, on behalf of the ESC Council on Stroke, the role of cardiologists in stroke prevention and treatment, position paper of the European Society of Cardiology, Council on Stroke. The authors note that the aim of cardiologists should be to help other specialists such as neurologists, stroke physicians, radiologists or neurosurgeons to improve the outcomes of stroke patients and to decrease the risk of stroke among those who are at risk. Particularly in hypertension, Atrial fibrillation, as outlined in the recent EHRA clinical guide, and in patients with an open foramen ovale, cardiologists are essential, while in other areas the role of cardiologists currently is rather complementary. Only intense interdisciplinary cooperation may improve the still poor outcomes of stroke patients.
the editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.